On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Quick prayer. God, I thank you. Amen. This portion of scripture that we are examining on today, it has a, a lot of different components to it. And as you can see, uh, even from our children's moment, there is so much contained in the verses uh, in, in this particular chapter that we are able to look at and to dissect many different things and still come to a similar conclusion. At this particular portion of scripture that, that you heard me read prior to, to me standing, we find that, that this scripture comes in the midst of a hectic time. Jesus, as you know, has come into the city triumphant and has been betrayed by a friend. We know that he was tried for crimes that were not his own. He was tortured, he was beaten, he was spit on, and he was crucified. Jesus was then buried in a borrowed tomb. And we arrive at this particular day, this day that seemed to have so much in it as we find that Mary on the first day of the week goes to the tomb and finds that the stone is rolled away. And when she gets there, she, she assumes that the body has been stolen, so she runs to tell the disciples. And then the disciples run back to the tomb only to find that it is empty and only the linen remain. Then if you examine all Four Gospels, you find that after this point, Jesus appears to them, if I'm not mistaken, four separate times. And so now they know that he is risen. But now, similar to Pastor Elaine's uh, title last week, the question becomes, now what? It is in this portion of Scripture. We find the disciples, no doubt, where Jesus told Mary to have them go when he appeared to her. It was on the evening of that day. The scripture that we read today begins by saying, uh, so it was the evening on that day. What day is that day? That day is the first day of the week. That day is the day of the resurrected Christ. That 
is the day. It is in this particular portion of scripture that, that we find that, that it was on that day when the doors were shut and the disciples, uh, where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews. The fear of the Jews. Why were they afraid of the Jews? It, it is safe to say that since they saw their, 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 their Lord crucified on the cross, it is safe to say that they would be afraid that something similar might happen to them. But I would also argue that if, if I were a, a disciple in that day, I would probably examine all the facts. You see, everything that Jesus had told them up to that point came true. All of the things that he promised all of a sudden came to pass. And so I, I would probably go back to John 15 and remember that, that Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were uh, of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Uh-oh. So if everything else that Jesus said was true, they may just be coming for me next. They were afraid because Jesus promised that they would be persecuted. What does that look like? My Jesus was tortured. What does that look like for me? My Jesus was accused of crimes, not his own. What does that look like? My Jesus was nailed to a cross. What does that look like? So they came into this room. They shut the doors. Uh, uh, one uh, a version of the Bible says the doors were locked. But in that same verse, it says Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them. The doors were shut. The doors were locked. But Jesus came and stood in their midst. The doors were shut. The doors were Locked, but Jesus came and stood in their midst. You see, Jesus in that moment reminded them that, that, that his power goes beyond the boundaries of this world, that, that what they were perceiving to be uh, the only capable way of entering into a room was, was not subject to how he could get into the room. You see, it was Jesus in that moment that confirmed to them his power, his majesty, his sovereignty, and everything that he had said. Then Jesus says to them, peace be with you. Ah. He says, calm down, be at peace. I, I know that this may be a little startling. I know you're afraid of the Jews, but peace be with you. In verse 20, he shows them both his hands and his side. And the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Now, many would argue that this is the first time in this portion of scripture where Jesus identifies himself so that they can really recognize who he is. First four times that they saw him, they didn't recognize him at first. I would argue that it's the second because what we find right above that is when he said, peace be with you, he was also mirroring a statement that he made the last time he was with them where he began with the greeting, peace be with you. 
So it was a confirmation not only of his power, a confirmation not only of his presence, but a confirmation that his words were still true. It was a, a proof of his identity, but at the same time, if he, if he uh, showed up four times prior and now he stands in the midst, that makes five. Five, uh, if you really look at the, the Bible, normally signifies an area of grace. I'm not going to get real, real deep into that, but it, it excites me that, that in that, that, that moment, God is extending something to them that they don't fully grasp just yet. It was a, a grace, a, a power, a, a blessing with Jesus just entering into the room. In verse 21, he says again, peace be unto you. And, I, and in this time, he's not asking them to relax anymore. He's reminding them not only of the previous words in John 14, but, but he is also calling them to shalom. And some theologians would say even though shalom talks about peace, it also speaks of being whole, being complete, and lacking nothing you see, they felt lost for a little while because uh, Jesus was no longer with them. They felt incomplete for a little while because they were trying to figure things out without him. But Jesus is saying, fear not, for I am with you always. I believe Jesus in that scripture is saying, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for I will be with you wherever you go. You see, Jesus in that moment was not just causing them to ease their nerves and be peaceful in the moment, but trying to uh, help them to understand that they are equipped for the journey ahead. Because soon thereafter, he says, just as my father sent me, I also send you. You see, now you must be complete and courageous. You must be strong because it is your turn. Jesus then breathed on them, which I would argue give, gave them everything that they needed. You see, in the scriptures, when we hear about God breathing on a person or breathing into a situation, everything changed. God breathed into Adam and he became a living being. God breathed on the valley of the dry bones. And as Pastor Elaine preached a few months ago, all of a sudden the ankle bone connected to the shin bone, the shin bone connected to the knee bone, the knee bone connected to the thigh bone. And all of a sudden things begin to come together and life appeared out of a place where people would argue and science would argue that life should never have been. We even can go to 2 Timothy where it says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You see, it is in this moment that Jesus gave to them what they needed. It's in this moment that they received power. Now, theologians would argue that that, that that power of the Holy Spirit was not given instantaneously. It was released on the day of Pentecost. But, but, but I would also say that Jesus, that God's timing is always perfect. So even if that be so, that, that it was planted inside of them for the time in which they would need it. You see, I begin this message <laughs> with the idea that it was a hectic day for the disciples. And it was. This morning, I'm trying really hard not to walk. 
This morning, <laughs> this morning I began to look through Facebook. I do it just like you do. And I began to look through my timeline and I found a, a post from Sarah, uh, Pastor Sarah Roberts. And it, and it, it, it struck me as, as interesting and odd and it simply said this, my mom will plop down after a long day at, and seemingly at random say, thank you, Jesus. It always felt a bit strange because she hadn't received any big news nor presents that yield gratitude. I did the same thing last night as I tucked into my bed after a week that was incredibly beautiful, full of nerves and very taxing. I understood her, thank you, Jesus. In reading that, I begin to also think about the time where I would ride with my, my dad in Tulsa and randomly he would just say, God, I thank you. Now, the first time I noticed it, he was driving a brand new Corvette that he had prayed for for years and years and years and years. And we took a turn around the curve and, and, and it didn't move. It just kind of glided and he said, God, I thank you. And I said, yes, I thank God too. That was a nice curve. And then he, he stood still at a light, and he said, God, I thank you. And I was like, well, you know, the exhaust does sound pretty good. God, I thank you. And then we went back to his house, and he got a phone call, and we had to go help someone. And instead of getting into the vet, he got into his Tahoe. It might be a 91, 90-something model. It rattles when you drive. Uh, this, the, 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 the dashboard itself has cracks in it. Dad, don't get mad at me for talking about your baby. And, and, and it is not a Corvette. But we went around the curve, and he said, God, I thank you. Yeah, that wasn't a smooth turn. And then he got to the stop line. He said, God, I thank you. And I said, Lord, please don't let this thing die on us right here. We got stuff to do. And, I, I re and, 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 and it, it, re it hit my memory that he said these same words sitting in a house. He said these same words sitting in the midst of trouble. He said these same words sitting in his biggest triumphs. He said these same words in the morning when I would wake up at his house and I would hear him say, God, I thank you from the bedroom as he opened his eyes. I, he said these same words over and over. And I can recall days where if I sat down and tried to count them, I would lose count very, uh, uh, very quickly because I would run out of fingers and toes. And I started to think, Pastor Roberts, just like her mom, wasn't thanking God because of the stuff that they got. Bishop Johnson was not thanking God because he had a Corvette all of a sudden. They were thanking God not for the things that they possessed, but for the God that they worshipped. It took me back to being young at the church where there would be uh, uh, this one particular lady that I know would stand and she would sing the song. As I look back over my life and I think things over, I can truly say that I've been blessed. I have a testimony. And she struggled most of her life. If anything, she had a lot of struggles. She wasn't rich. She didn't have a lot of things. But with tears in her eyes, she would sing as unto the Lord. And, and she would sing in such a way that everybody in the room felt it. And I wondered, what would cause one to feel so deeply that those simple words, God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. 
or a song that speaks to, to, to the test in your life? What would cause them to feel so connected that that passion would drive them and that would be their mantra, their song, their slogan every day of their life? And I came to this conclusion. There was once upon a time in their life where they did not know Christ and he breathed on them. There was a time in their lives where they needed to know that they 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 were not alone and he breathed on them with locked doors, with shut doors, with, with places that nobody could get into. They, they came into a knowing that Jesus was all of a sudden in the room with them. And in that moment, their mind became new. In that moment, that God restored them to life. In that moment, they were resurrected with their God. You see, God is calling us to live in the newness of life. That breath that God breathed uh, represents the power that is activated upon our choice to follow. It has been in us all along, but could not activate until we were yet born again, until we were yet restored to life by our Redeemer. He breathed on them, and he breathed on us that we might also be resurrected with Christ. This resurrected mindset should cost us, cause us to think differently. This resurrected uh, attitude should cause us to see things differently. This resurrected uh, place in our lives should cause us to act differently. So no longer are we doing things to try to prove to somebody else that we're saved, but we do things because we are already in the family of God. You see, the resurrected mindsets mindset sits in shalom. It not only sits in the peace of God, but it sits in, in the, the knowing and in the faith that we are whole and complete, not because we are perfect, but because the God that we serve is perfect. It, 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 it causes us uh, to, to, to rest in shalom in such a way that even though we know our hands aren't mighty enough to do the work, we can depend on the one who sends us to give us the provision of everything that we need. And, no, and so now, what was the question? And that question's answer is simple. It is to go. To go ye therefore and make disciples of all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The, the, the now what is to go. Now that you have been restored, it is now uh, time that God sends you off in commission the scripture says when you are stronger, strengthen your brothers. It is time now that God has resurrected you, that now that God has restored you to life for you to step forward in your purpose and in your call and in your mission. It is in the power of this resurrected mind, this power of the resurrected life and the power of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we now stand. My question to you is this. Will you go? There is no question that you've been restored. There is no question that Jesus is with you in the room. There is no question that he has restored you to life. The question simply now is, will you go? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.